Hello, and welcome to Stationary Adjacent, a podcast at the intersection of analog and digital productivity. I'm Justin Twyford, and joined as always by my friend and co-host, Stu Lennon, freshly returned from the UK. How was your trip, Stu? Justin, it was absolutely lovely, with the only downside being that I didn't get to talk to you last week. How are things in Canada? Oh, this this thing called fall has really hit. It's uh, I'm, I'm getting my uh, snow tires put on today, Stu. Oh, fall, fall being North American for autumn, of course. Autumn, yes. Uh, very autumnal yes, autumn. colors. Yes. Uh, I, I, of, of course, a lovely time of the year. Yes. Splendid. Hmm. Uh, so how are you doing? You're glad to be home. Everything went well on your trip. Uh, yeah, it was good. Um, I was uh, curiously and coincidentally, I was at home for the funeral, uh, the funeral of Queen Elizabeth II, which was uh, quite a big deal, um, certainly in the UK, and I think probably worldwide, there was quite a lot of coverage. Uh, I was there to see my mum, who's been having some health challenges, uh, but I hope at least that we're, we're on the way to, uh, to getting those resolved, so that was good. And then I went to Bristol, which is the town of my birth, um, where I was doing a little <laughs> bit of work. Um, and practicing my old accent, of course. Um, and it was, uh, I, I turned to Margaret at one point because uh, she came on the trip with me and we booked a premier inn, which is, you know, it's a very, very, um, they're excellent hotels. They're very low cost. They're very straightforward and simple, uh, comfortable bed, um, <laughs> like, like hotels should be really, um, and there's lots of them dotted around. This one was in the center of old Bristol, which is now new Bristol because of lots of regeneration and everything. Um, and it was Freshers Week for the University of West England, which is Bristol's uh, second university. And um, we came came home from, uh, we'd been out for dinner with a client. And we were walking back to the hotel and the hotel is just behind a square, uh, which contains, I think, six pubs. Um, and each of those pubs has an outdoor seating area, uh, sort of all joined into one and offers a student discount and freshers week. Everybody's got their student loans. Their, their credit cards are feeling heavy. Uh, so cost of living crisis, not a, not a thing of it. These students were sitting there getting lashed into the beer at half past 10 at night. They were loving it. Um, and I have to say it brought a smile to my face. I thought, Get on with it. Enjoy yourselves while you still can before you become an old and grumpy like me. <laughs> it was funny when you did your Bristol accent. All I heard was my father-in-law because uh, he's from Bristol. <laughs> oh. uh, a wonderful man, I'm sure. No, please don't turn into him. Uh, this conversation will <laughs> we'll go in, uh, but we won't go there. Old people, old people problems, old people interests, uh, not necessarily the same as mine. It's all good. I'm sure you uh, figured some of that out with your mom too. Uh, indeed, she she has uh, taste in television that I I I can only say with my hand on my heart, Justin, that I hope this doesn't happen to me. But uh, she watches um, reality cop shows and reality A and E, so accident and emergency. Um, so you know, various poor people who, who've you know something has befallen them and they're taken to hospital in an ambulance, and she watches the grisly detail of them getting sorted out. And I looked at what on earth are you watching this for? Oh, it's really good. You learn lots. <laughs> hmm. No, not my thing at all. Nope. Nope. I, I think that probably even worsened discussions about likes. 
well, <laughs> funnily enough, there was somebody, uh, he was, um, let's think, he was, I believe, a chronic alcoholic, which I, I think I'm probably not one of those. Um, he was a diabetic. I'm not one of those. But he had real problems with his feet, which is quite common with diabetes. Mm -hmm. uh, and he had swollen ankles, which I am very familiar with. And he had ulcers that really made me feel a bit wimpy. Um, <laughs> my, my ulcer is, uh, well, now I'm, I'm pleased to say gone, but is at its worst, probably the size of um, maybe, maybe two inches in diameter. Uh, this guy's legs were more ulcer than leg. I was like, oh, no, I don't want to be watching this at all. Really, really horrible. <laughs> anyway, enough of this nonsense. How is fall in Canada? It's very well. Uh, I am the proud owner of a brand new iPhone 14 Pro Max. <laughs> which Pro Max. Pro Max, the big one, the big expensive one. The one that, honestly isn't any different than the last phone. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I've heard a couple of reviews along those lines. I mean, I think most people now, almost sensible people don't, don't go every year because I mean, you know, that they're, they're expensive things, aren't they? So, um, I don't think many people went from a 13 to a 14, unless they were after, you know, a very specific function. Mm -hmm. uh, I went from an 11 pro max. So mine's uh, three years old now. Yeah. Um, and technically there are all kinds of on paper things that, that went, that would have been great. You know, the camera, if you believe the Apple hype is so much better and you know what it is better, but it's not, you know, almost $2,000 better. Um, it is, it, 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 the old one was good enough for what I do. This one's a little bit nicer. Uh, the screen, um, I do not have that. What is it? The 120 uh, refresh rate that came mm -hmm. out, I think with the 12 and the 13. I don't notice it. Uh, the always on display. Well, that lasted about a day before it annoyed the heck out of me. Mm -hmm. So imagine always on display. Um, the functionality of it, it's a, it's a great theory, but the reality is all you have are those little notifications that you have to then tap and look at to unlock, to see something. Mm. So now you have a notification device sitting on your desk, staring at you, tempting you. You missed something. You missed something. You must look, you must look. Oh, it is for, for our audience, which I'm assuming is fairly also focused on productivity. Uh, this is the ultimate in it, it's like a TikTok video. It's like, oh, let's let's watch the TikTok video. What, let's see what the next notification is. So um, that died in a hurry. Um, yeah, migration. Well, that's a pain in the butt. Um, it takes forever to launch and log into it. Even though it migrates over, I did a pretty good job of it. Logging into every app. Oh my geez. Uh, and I could have made bread or fried an egg on the back of my new phone uh, by the time it was doing all of its setup. Keeps a little bit warm. Wow. Uh, but okay. yeah, it's all, all, all over. Uh, you know, I, I couldn't say there was a compelling reason. The satellite is not yet enabled. The satellite calling, the emergency calling. Um, but I felt really good about the purchase after last week I drove down to work, you know, did my sort of 850 kilometer drive. 
two things. One, I found it out, found out that uh, I am now a country boy. I hate the city. Uh, people are <laughs> rude. People are cramped. They, they drive like morons. I, you know, I just, I, I'm used to a little quieter pace of life up here. Um, so I, I was glad to be home, but I got home and then two days later I was at the golf course. Um, I'm trying to teach my wife how to, uh, play golf. She's decided this is something she wants to do. So we were down there driving out and my truck broke down, um, which was luckily not a satellite call, just a regular call. Uh, but it was sitting in my truck for two hours waiting for a tow truck that was big enough to come and tow my truck to the local mechanic so they could fix it, which incidentally talk about things that drive you nuts was a fix for something that I had them fix for a different reason. Five months ago, oh. um, the part failed and it still cost me 300 bucks for the privilege. Okay. Yeah. So I was, I was less than happy. Um, but yes, it was, it was, it was interesting. So, uh, you know, if you are into new phones, uh, they are out there. I, I, depends on your use need, what you're going to use them for. They're cool, but, uh, they're a lot of money. Um, and you know, the iPhones have been that good for the last number of years and I'm not sure there's that much. Oh, the dynamic Island. Well, oh yes, the dynamic island. Uh, my review on that is well, it doesn't do much, does it? Uh, it's it's novelty. You forget it's there real quick. Uh, yeah, it's it it's a nice phone. I, I I don't mind having the upgrade, particularly when the satellite connectivity comes in. But for now, it's like okay, I'm a little underwhelmed. Well, I think you know there's probably an episode in this, but I think Apple uh, under Jobs did an amazing job of convincing me, you, and everyone else that it was a great idea to spend five, 600 bucks on a phone every, every year. Um, and then, you know, seriously went to work on increasing that number <laughs> to, to get it really, really high. Um, and, you know, way back when, you know, the difference between the 3G and the 4 was significant. You know, there was a difference between those phones. Um, but as, as it's now matured, you know, that going from the 10 to the 11, oh, sorry, it was the 10 to the 10 R to the 11 to the 12 to the 13. I, it, there really is no purpose in that, but we've all got into the habit of thinking, okay, maybe it's not yearly, but we should do it every two years. Hmm. Well, what about every three years? Whereas in reality now, I think iPhone is probably five years is, can comfortably do everything you would want it to do. Um, and it's, you know, we're trying to change that mindset, I think personally, and Tim Cook and, and the gang are obviously slightly concerned about that. And we'll try and give us a reason to stick to two years or three years, but mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I, I, I looked at, uh, at upgrading. I mean, I've got, uh, the 13, so, you know, there literally was no difference for me apart from the fact that I can't get the phone size that I would prefer. Um, the, the, what you've got now, they're rumoring will become the ultra iPhone ultra. Oh, I have year. to buy it just for that label because it sounds better. Doesn't it? Well, I think, I think what it's about is that they're going to broaden their, the range. So, you know, you're going to have the ultra at the top, which is going to be the biggest size wise and spec wise. That's going to be the ultra phone. And then if you want a big one without the ultra, that will be the, uh, the max, I suppose. 
And then they will have the Pro, which is a normal-sized phone, which isn't quite as good as the Ultra, but better than the, the plain number. So, you know, they'll have a nice little range of phones there. And underneath it, they've got the SE. The SE Stroke Mini, is that all going to become one thing? Quite possibly, I don't know. Mm. Very confusing. I, hey, that's out of character for us, because I've already had you spending money first thing this morning. So <laughs> now I've suggested that we don't spend money. All right, Sue, tell us about your Mac Studio and what the setup was like. You you got that with no problems, right? Yeah, no, I mean, collecting the Mac Studio was easy. I'd had it delivered to my mom's house, uh, so it was there. Um, it's a lovely unboxing experience, as if that's important, but it's a very cool box. Um, and if I was flying... Um, you know, 10 years ago when flying was civilized, um, you could literally carry the Mac studio on as it, it's, it's like, um, it's like a hat box. You could just take it on as hand luggage. It's got a handle built into it. It's perfect. Um, but because now, you know, you have to pay for every square inch of, or volumetric inch of, of luggage that you take, I had to remove it from the box and put it into my suitcase. Ugh. Um, which in itself just made for a lot of fun going through security where um, they, that, to my eternal um, displeasure, they'd say, do you have any electronic items in the bag, sir? Yes. Could you remove them? Why? So that we can x-ray them. Hmm. I'm not sure you've understood what an x-ray does. It sees through things. Why do I need to take it out of the bag? Right, I'll, I'll take them out before you arrest me. That's fine. Um, so... You imagine this guy's face because it became a little bit of a sort of Monty Python sketch at this point. So I put my mobile phone in there and he, he went to take the train. I went, no, no, no. Uh, I took off my watch, put that in there. He went to take, no, no, no. I got my iPad mini and put that in there. And it's like I'm pulling rabbits out of a hat now. <laughs> he's, he's looking to set, no, no. Pulled out my remarkable tablet. He's looking to set, no, 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 no. Pulled out my MacBook Pro. He looked at me. I looked at him and I went, one more. And pulled out a full-blown Mac Studio. <laughs> Put it at the end of the tray. I went, there you go. And he looked at me and said, is that it? And I said, yes. I left the monitor at home. <laughs> <laughs> and so this, this thing goes through. And uh, then I put it back into my suitcase. And it got back to Cyprus. Uh, Cyprus safe and sound, which was great. Excellent. Uh, set up. Uh, first of all, I set it up as a new machine. Mm. Um, so I thought, okay, what I'll do is a new machine. And then I'll, I'll be very mindful about what I'm putting on and what I'm not putting on. And then I saw what that was going to entail in terms of password management and logging in. And I went, no, <laughs> no, no, we're not going to do that at all. Um, so I migrated from my previous machine, which is Mac Mini. I migrated across, sort of set it up, uh, went to bed. I uh, came back the next morning. It was all done. Um, it's done a, done a fabulous job of that. Uh, for a couple of days, it was a little bit sluggish as various and sundry backups were we're getting up to speed, but we'll we'll get to that a little bit later. Um, and I have to say, the the danger with separates, um, which is what I now call this, because you know it's a separate box from my monitors and and peripherals, is that upgrading the engine of your separates is it's just the most disappointing upgrade ever because 
the reasoning behind this was, okay, this is going to be the heart of my desktop for the next five years, 10 years, maybe, who knows. Um, it's a, it's overspec for what I do. It's got more uh, computing capacity. It's got more memory than I would reasonably need. So it's just going to be a rock solid driver of the system. So I'm still looking at the same screen that I was looking at before, and I'm tapping on the same keyboard as I was before. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, you don't have that whole new, oh, look, big shiny computer thing that you would have if it was a new Mac or a new laptop. But hey, it's, uh, it's doing its thing. It's got lots of ports. So um, I'm finding now that I have a lot of spare dongles and hubs that I don't need anymore, which I'm delighted about. Uh, I can sort of plug things directly into the machine. Um, and yeah, so far, so good. Very good. Very, very good. So is it, has it been noticeably faster? Do you feel like you're, you're on a new multi-thousand pound machine? Uh, no, because most of the things that I do, uh, were pretty quick on the mini. Mm. Um, okay. I can have as many, uh, apps and tabs open as I wish. Uh, this machine will handle all of that. Whereas occasionally the, the, the Mac mini would say to me that, um, you know, a certain page was, was slowing down or that the Mac, the Ram was getting full. Uh, this has got 32, um, gigs of Ram. So uh, that has not occurred yet with all the usual suspects open. So anything by, uh, Microsoft. Um, it, it runs that without, uh, without complaint. So that's the only real thing I've noticed. Uh, and the, I've got very, very fast internet and this, uh, seems able to cope with that better perhaps than the mini could. Mm, excellent. It's my only observation so far. Cool. Cool. Well, I'm, I think you may have saved me some money from not having to upgrade. Cause I always keep looking at them and going, Oh, it'd be nice, but then. I like my workflow at the moment. So, hmm. I, yeah, I mean, I think for anybody looking at desktops, the smart thing to do is wait now for uh, one, the Mac Pro, which will almost certainly be way over anybody's needs, unless unless we've got some real specialists listening to this podcast. It'd be way too much. Um, but the iMac Pro, the rumored iMac Pro, which is, um, I think, likely to come this year, which will be, um, you know, the sort of bigger version of the iMac that was released earlier this year or last year, last year, the year before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the sort of bigger version, I think then you've got the array to choose because the new Mac mini is definitely coming. So you'll be able to look at a mini, a studio, um, the existing Mac and the big Mac, probably not going to call it (laughs) the the iMac pro and the Mac pro. Those are going to be the sort of five desktop solutions with you know very varying levels of of power and i suspect that for most people uh either a an iMac or a Mac mini will be the best solution um that's not to say that people won't like me go and buy a Mac studio and be way over spec but i i think the new Mac mini with enough um ram would probably be fine for me hmm. wow we're actually um, in good this week. What's happening to us? <laughs> this isn't like us. No, we're just 
we're advising other people to be good. I still went and bought the Mac Studio. Uh, this is true. Yeah, no, <laughs> I bought the most expensive iPhone I could. So yeah, I guess. <laughs> Listen to what we say, not what we do. There we go. Exactly. Yes, we we try and be good. Speaking of listeners, we got some absolutely lovely listener feedback this week that I wanted to talk about and share because you know. We got some of the best listeners on this podcast. Uh, first off, Judith uh, shared her experience with the remarkable tablet that uh, Stu has. Uh, sounds like she's got a really good use case for it, which I shared it with Stu, and uh, he's probably got his own thoughts on this. But for me, it's a little problematic because I want one too now, and I have no real use for it. Um, and this would be some a, a toy, but listening to Judith telling me how she's using it. It's like, Ooh, sounds like a good idea. Oh, Stu, uh, what do you think? Do I need one? Well, um, do you need one? No. Does anybody need one? No. Um, I really enjoyed using mine on my trip. Uh, the use case that I had for it, which was, um, being inside branches and, uh, doing audits of procedures and stuff. It was great for worked really well. Uh, it's very light and they are, um, they are upgrading the software. Uh, this year, they've just released uh, a sort of blog post to to all the subscribers um, who subscribe to the sort of online service, the Sync service, if you like. Um, and they are going to integrate it more tightly with your workflows. So you will have electronic apps. Oh, sorry, that's a stupid thing to say. Digital apps on your devices that integrate seamlessly with your tablet. Uh, that doesn't mean you're suddenly going to be able to write on your Mac or you're going to be able to write on your iPhone, but you can type. And uh, the the notes, both digital and manual, will sync up across devices. So I think that's going to be really interesting to see how they implement that. Uh, because that's kind of the issue I have with it now is at the moment it sits somewhat separate and remote. Um, I can translate all of my handwritten notes into digital ones and have them sort of then integrate into my notes, PKM, whatever you want to call it. Um, but it sounds as though that's going to become easier. Cool. And they've dropped the price of the, of the sync service. You have to pay an annual uh, fee for that. Everything's a, a subscription now, Stu. Well, that's, I guess it's good business for these guys. Hmm. Another piece of feedback we got from Gene, uh, who is a new listener and is working his way backwards through our episodes. So I'm not sure if he's ever going to hear this, but anyway, uh, thanks for reaching out to us. He's uh, got some, gave us some great feedback, but uh, I've been swapping emails with him and he's offered me some great real estate tracking help for my area, which I'm going to have to figure out uh, how, how that works because I'm, I'm nosy. Um, I never was a real estate person, Stu, but after moving, I'm kind of nosy about the area, uh, particularly mm -hmm. who's moving in and who's moving out. Not much in my little area in the back of the valley here sells. The one house that sold this year uh, sold within four days and was in a huge bidding war. So I'm I'm really kind of curious. It's kind of like its own little community. So I'll have to uh, talk to Gene about that. But uh, anybody listening to all of our stuff, would you listen backwards or would you listen forwards, Stu? Uh, I've done it with a few podcasts and yeah, I, I sort of have a twin track going. So I'll be listening to, um, episodes as they come out, but I'll start at one and go forward, mm. uh, sort of on, on a parallel line. That's dedication. That is, 
I wonder how much we'll cost him over the over all the episodes we've done. <laughs> if, if he buys all the apps we've talked about, he could be in trouble. Hey, speaking of costing things, uh, Brian sent me an email uh, about the Lamy Neocode pen that I'm using. Mm-hmm. Uh, I found out that I can't use the same notebook, two versions of the same notebook. However, Brian pointed out that uh, Neocode sell a whole bunch of different styles of notebook, not just the Lamy one. And you can use all the different ones as separate notebooks. You just can't use the same notebook twice. So I've got a lovely link to the Neocode page, and I've got several items sort of sitting in my cart waiting for me to pull the trigger. You got Brian cost me money against you. So it's a theme. Have you noticed that? This this podcast. You know, we we should be like making money off podcasting, not spending money off podcasting. Well, I'm not spending any money now because my my accounts are have been stripped bare by Apple. There's there's nothing left. I have to to focus on filling these accounts up again. I think. Though in in Stu's um, confession here, he left out the fact that in our pre flight, um, I may have cost him you know some money for some software that was on sale <laughs> uh, that he's downloaded and has to install and uh, then register after the show. But anyway, uh, yes, we we do this to ourselves. Uh, <laughs> I get the free version for, I think, a week. I'm not sure. Uh, sale ends tomorrow. Oh. And it goes up 20%. Uh, oh, okay. Stu's buying it today. <laughs> uh, Raf sent over more ways for me to spend money with a desk, desk accessory that he found and was kind of curious about. I don't know if you've seen this one. It's called The Slope from Yanko Design Stu. I had a look at it earlier on and and thought, oh, that's quite cool. It is. I'm just not sure in my small desk here that it would fit. What this this the link in show notes, but what it is is a really stylish, um, we uh, what do you call that? Dry erase board metal Mm -hmm. that fits over your keyboard, under your monitor, and you can write notes as you go. And when you're done, I guess you just erase them off uh it's really really slick so i'm i'm really kind of thinking that's cool they've got all kinds of different ways to do it but it's like oh it's uh, bent steel and powder coated it's on an angle it gives you a place to put your pens it's very very slick uh i don't know we'll we'll have to see we'll have to see i i, I i'm not sure because of all the gear that i have under my monitor uh, that it would actually work for me because it would hide things, but I still like it. Um, it, it take, doesn't take me much to spend money. Have you noticed that? Yeah, well, I'm the same. Finally, I got an absolutely lovely envelope in the mail, like the, the mail mail, hard hard mail that I had to go to the, the little box and pick up uh, from Aaron, who was one of the people that I sent uh, pens and pencils to in the big D stash. Uh, she sent some lovely handmade ink cards that she had made, uh, one using uh, Diamond Stargazer, which was a previous year ink vent color. And oh my gosh, that's uh, that's going to have to go get me going to cult pens to buy some. Uh, and those are now on display in my office. Uh, she sent a, a lovely letter. I, and I love the way she writes letters. She writes letters using a different pen and ink on each page. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is absolutely a, you know, for a fountain pen nerd like me, 
it's perfect. So, uh, Aaron, thanks so much. I, I just got that in the mail. I'll, uh, I, I was so tickled to, to see that. And I put a link of that in the show notes for Stu as well. So have you ever made uh, crazy, crazy art like this with ink? Uh, not intentionally. No, um, unintentionally <laughs> yeah, several times. Um, but no, I, um, I do exactly the same with the, the writing letters. When I write letters, I will probably use four or five pens and inks throughout the, the letter just, and, um, Amanda does the same Amanda who writes for, for Nero's notes. So we send each other letters and sort of every other paragraph begins with, uh, the name of the pen, the nib, the ink, <laughs> and of course the paper being used. And then we'll go on and talk about news and then we'll, then we'll change pen and they'll be, oh, and this is a double broad and blah, blah. It, it really is. If people ever find these letters, they're going to look at go, did they have nothing else to talk about? <laughs> I've, I've never actually got one of these before. So I, I just think it's absolutely lovely. I've, they are beautiful. I'm going to have to start doing something like that. And you know what? It gives me a chance to ink up more pen and ink. Ah, uh, yes. And that's what we need to do. Things to talk about on the show. Well, no, hang on. Before we do that, I've got to do my public service announcement for, for North America because uh, a podcaster for whom I have an enormous amount of respect was, uh, was talking the other week about the queen and the monarchy. And, um, he was espousing, I think a very, very popular view that the monarchy is perhaps a little, I don't know, outdated. Um, but while doing it, he was sort of, it made a flippant remark about, um, the sort of monarchy being responsible for genocide and, uh, the empire and various and sundry things. And I, I just, just want, want everybody in the United States to know, um, that Actually, Parliament has primacy in the UK and has since the 19th century. So um, all of the nasty things that, that Britain was doing in the 19th and 20th centuries were, were in fact the will of Parliament, not the monarchy. It's just, you know, honestly. Um, there, there are many arguments against the modern monarchy. I, I have sympathy with some of them. Um, but the acts of the nation are not one of those relevant arguments. There you are. That's your public service announcement. I shall go back to my monarchist corner and, and be very quiet going forward. Mm. Speaking of public service announcements, mm. I, I saw some wonderful news uh, on Pumpkin Puppy's um, Twitter feed the other day. Uh, Nero's Notes has confirmed that they are going to take proceeds from every subscription sold and donate to my favorite little charity, Pumpkin Puppy and Friends. Uh, I've mentioned this before I won't, I won't beat it to death but really appreciate Stu and claire doing all they do and would like to encourage all of you to go to narrowsnotes.co.uk and subscribe to a subscription if you can uh, because not only will you get amazing fantastic stationery but you'll also be helping the disabled puppies and that warms my cold, grumpy heart. So uh, thanks, Stu. That was absolutely lovely to see. I woke up and saw that, and it was like, oh, it's, it's just great. Hey, well, I mean, thank you, Justin, and to, to everybody. Yes, please come along and get a subscription. You'll love it. But uh, if you don't want to do that, go to Pumpkin Puppy and Friends on your social media of choice. They're on uh, Instagram. They're on Facebook. They're on Twitter. Uh, they're on the interweb. Uh, just look them up, Pumpkin Puppy. Uh, Pumpkin puppies charity i think probably something like that and you will find it believe me and it's a it's a lovely 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 undertaking with an absolute dude of a dog leading the charge um and it will as justin says it will make you smile so give them a follow give them a share 
Um, I'd like to see these guys go huge. Hmm, me too. And you know what? They're uh, as a small charity, every dollar they raise goes back to helping the puppies. There's none of this marketing budget and promotional budget and administration salaries, you know, these, this is just somebody that cares. And that, that's the kind of people that we, we need more of those kind of people, people that care in the world today. And it's good cause. Absolutely. All right, Stu, what is your tool of the week? We've been talking for a while. We haven't got anywhere. Uh, yep. uh, tool of the week. <laughs> uh, well, my tool of the week was travel. I think really, um, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a while since I've done any, um, it was mixed. The first thing I, again, uh, travel is just so inelegant and unglamorous these days. It's hurry up and queue and crammed into spaces and, uh, oh, it's awful. Um, when I did have to do work, which was just, just really a day, um, the MacBook Air performed brilliantly. I used it to present, um, a training seminar. Um, I've got a little, uh, remote, I've got a, a Satechi Bluetooth remote, so I could sort of wander around and click through and all that funky stuff. It's got a laser pointer. So the IT worked beautifully and the MacBook Air was, you know, more than enough machine to do that. And I remember when the MacBook Air could, you know, it needed all its power to start up. Um, it's just, it's just such a good machine these days. Um, and they're remarkable that that performed really well. Um, and yes, lots and lots, of, lots and lots of fun at security, but I think we've already covered that. Uh, what about you? What was your tool of the week? Well, I got to say, I, I certainly agree with travel being a pain. Uh, I did my trip back to the coast and that, that's a long day. And boy, oh boy, I, I'm so done with the coast. If I never have to go back there, which I do for work, but if I would never go back there for fun anymore, it's, uh, it's so busy in the city now. Uh, but between prepping, getting there, unpacking, I, it just threw off my whole week. My like every night was kind of consumed by something that I had to get done because I was leaving. So uh, it's it, it's amazing how travel screws you up. Sure. Ah, <sighs> uh, sleep has been my big killer this week. Oh, this is gonna be a rant. Sorry, uh, <laughs> Mrs. T decided a couple of weeks ago while we were on break that part of the cause of her aches and pains not the fact she's recovering from radiation recovery. Just pointing that out. Uh, it was actually due to our mattress been too old. It was fine. Um, so I bought her a new one and then watched as my lovely, comfortable mattress went off for recycling. Uh, this bed that Mrs. T wanted, Mrs. T's bed that I happened to sleep on, sort of. Um, it's, it's something designed by an old Indian faker. You know, those ascetics that sleep on a bed of nails, mm -hmm. the nails actually may have more gift than this bed. Um, I'm lucky to make it through the night without giving up and then coming downstairs and sleeping on my little two person couch with my feet sticking up in the air because it's too small. <laughs> it's uh, I've, I've been tired this week, Stu. I've been so tired because I am not sleeping well on, on this piece of fur that she calls a mattress. Uh, that, but it, I'm hoping it's, it's as she gets used to it, uh, it's, it's going to, um, help her aches and pains. Uh, and this is one of those moments. And I believe you've, uh, we've talked about stories in the past. That <laughs> you've, you've, you've had similar, uh, fun and exciting escapades with mattresses. 
Well, here we are. Podcast warning. Uh, there now follows 10 minutes of two old men comparing tales of hard mattresses. Um, similarly, Mrs. L decided that uh, much of her trouble, she's got a troublesome back. She, she had a, an operation during lockdown uh, on her spine. Um, and she spent oh a good six months uh, entirely immobile, so bedridden, um, and therefore considers mattresses quite carefully and decided that our mattress was too hard. And so we bought uh, a new all-singing-and-dancing foam thing, which turned out to be, wait for it, too soft. Um, so we've recently got out of the loft uh, the, the Goldilocks mattress, which we're hoping will be just right. <laughs> Uh, which is in fact an old mattress um, and got that onto the bed and uh, we, we tried that and Mrs. Lennon reported that, well, it was a bit hard. <laughs> so what we needed was a mattress topper. Right. I said to Amazon, I go and did some research and came back with all sorts of different answers to which the response was, Hmm, not sure. She then decided that the Premier Inn, the hotel previously mentioned, famously uses beds by a specific manufacturer. And you can, in fact, from the hotel chain, buy the bed in which you slept. And so she decided that would be a good idea. Um, glossing over the logistical challenges of getting a purchase from the United Kingdom, uh, into the European Union and an island in the Mediterranean to boot. Anyway, I, I weathered that storm, smiled and said, well, whatever works, darling, let's, let's just keep looking. And so this is what we're currently doing, uh, Mr. Twyford, and you may want to consider this. Um, logistically, I, I think Tim Cook would be, would be well, well pleased and, and might consider giving me a job. Because what we now do is that I have a small duvet, a thin duvet, 7.5 tog for those that are taking notes. And I've put that on top of the mattress. Then above the mattress, sorry, above the duvet, I have a mattress protector, which is a very thin piece of sort of foamy type material that has elastic corners on it so that you can secure your duvet on top of the mattress. On top of those, I have a deep fitted sheet which goes over the mattress protector the duvet and the mattress thereby giving this hard mattress a soft fluffy top mm. now assuming that mr and mrs twyford can get into bed and not move because moving really does cause all sorts of trouble you don't want to be doing that it kind of works it makes the bed supportive, which I think is important for those with the aches and pains, but a little bit softer, which is important for those sensible human beings um, with no hormonal issues. Uh, sorry, men. Mm. Um, and there we go. So now <laughs> we're going to get email about that, aren't we? <laughs> Listen, I, I, I look at the stuff that my wife has to put up with because of her hormones. And I just, I, 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 I have no idea how women don't kill everyone. And in fairness, my wife sometimes gets pretty close, but 
she can suddenly be sitting in a room. This is going all sorts of directions, this podcast. But she could be sitting in a room and go, oh, it's really hot. I go, what? Five seconds ago, it was fine. Now it's really hot. And I mean, she's literally, she will, she will change color. Oh, horrific, horrible. Um, but back to the mattress, this is, if you like, proof for us that a, a soft topper of some shape or form. I mean, clearly we can't use a mattress that we, uh, uh, a duvet that we've already got. That's far too cost effective. We need to go out and spend a significant amount of money on what will essentially be the same thing, but with some elastic things on the corners. Um, but that is, I, I think, going to be our solution. So have a little think about mattress toppers. Mm. That's what I'm telling you. I had a lovely mattress that had a built-in mattress topper that was very comfortable and that had to go. Um, so I, and unfortunately we didn't have a loft where I could have kept this. Uh, it, it had to go. <laughs> uh, so I, I don't know what the solution to this is. Uh, my solution is that if Mrs. T is happy, uh, well, if, if the wife is happy, then my life is fine. Uh, and I will, I, well, I, I will sleep. On, I, I might, you know what I might have to do, Stu? Upgrade my little tiny couch. It's not particularly uncomfortable. <laughs> I have a feeling that, that my way out of this is actually going to be that option. That is a conflict avoider's um, <laughs> solution. We'll, we'll definitely have to cover that in a podcast. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think where my wife finally got to, um, it's unfortunate that it cost us four mattresses to get there, was it's not the mattress. Mm. My wife is not there yet. Um, and as much as I would love to stick things up my side of the bed to make my life comfortable, I'm not sure I would get away with it at this point. It's anyway, let's, let's talk pens and ink of the week, Stu. We've, we went down a weird, a weird, I say having, having destroyed ourselves. I hope to God our spouses never listen. Then again, you know, uh, what's that? 40 minutes into a podcast of us talking, they're never going to listen. We're safe. Yes, indeed. All right. So you start us off. What's your pen and ink of the week? All right. So I pulled out a Moonman M800, which is a, well, an M800. You kind of guess who they're ripping off on that one. Uh, it's a uh -huh. inexpensive Chinese pen that is basically a Leonardo Memento Zero. Uh, it's not a fancy um pelican it's it's a cartridge converter but it's beautiful i think it cost me 50 or 60 bucks a number of years ago it's just really nice it's a steel nib but it writes perfectly out of the box blue color uh, lovely uh, I, you know you can call it acrylic uh, given the price it's probably just plastic but it it really is a lovely pen uh, and i filled that up with diamine storm from the last advent calendar last year, which is a wow, shimmery, 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 dark blue ink. It's, it's lovely. It's not very professional, but it's a whole lot of fun. Cool. Very nice. How about you? What have you got? Uh, well, my, my Pelicans all got used up. Finally, I've got uh, just one to clean. Um, so I'm now using, uh, my Waterman Karen, uh, in the sort of gun metal gunmetal finish so it's very modern looking pen um this is one that i bought from pen habit if you, people remember that matt armstrong oh yes um, it was a it was a review unit of his uh and that is inked up with my sort of box standard blue black from diamond and 
I also this morning inked up my Pilot Custom 823, which is the sort of amber demonstrator, so it's kind of translucent. Um, and I've inked that up with Bach from the Diamine Music set. So that's a brown ink in a brown pen. It's sort of matchy-matchy. Um, mm-hmm. And, of course, being me, uh, it's a broad nib in the 823. Oof. Uh, and it, it's, uh, it's lovely. Sharpie. Oh, no, no. I'm writing with it now. So I'm, I'm going I'm to guess that might be a medium nib. Ah, okay. I'll have to, uh, I'll have to get the loop out. Um, but yeah, lovely, lovely pen. Lovely pen. Mm. And then you're writing with the maker's cabinet. Oh, I guess. Well, I've got to mention this as a counterpoint to the pen addicts because they're, they were a little bit sniffy about it. <laughs> I, I was going to ask about that because they killed it yesterday. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, I mean, the feral is like everything that maker's cabinet um produce uh, it's about design and it's about engineering so it's it's brass um it's beautiful um i'll see, see if i can do it for you that clicking sound which may not make it through my audio editing for the process <laughs> for there <laughs> because anything that is background sound gets uh, pulled out gets killed um but it's uh it's a pencil extender it's a very elegant pencil extender and you can just slip your your sort of stub if you like into the end and then you turn and click closed and then you are writing with essentially a big brass pencil so uh it's much heavier than a pencil surprise surprise has a little eraser um at the end that you can change in and out you get a, you get a few of those with your sort of starter set um and it means that you can use your pencil all the way down to the stub. Do you need one? No. Uh, is it nice? Yes. Is it lovely to have on your desk? Yes. Do you like writing with it? Depends. Depends upon your feelings about brass, which will make your fingers smell a bit. Um, and it depends about you feel about the weight of brass because it is heavy. It's much more like writing with a with a fountain pen than with a pencil. Um, but I love it. I, I love the work that they put into it and the care. Um, and we sell them at Nero's and I've been lusting after one because I bought my one in their Kickstarter at the same time as we ordered stock for Nero's. Um, and <laughs> Claire sold it. <laughs> she went, these are selling really good. I'm just going to sell yours. I, uh, I, uh, okay then. <laughs> um, so when, when we got a restock, <laughs> I sort of overstocked and said, do not sell the last one. <laughs> um, and I picked it up this time. Good. Uh, it's uh, they're, they're lovely, lovely pieces of kit. All right, and I I, I know your taste, so uh, that is nice to hear. Uh, Mike and uh, Brad did not particularly like this too much. Uh, no, you know what would they know? Well, I mean, honestly, no. I mean it's uh, it is one of those things that um, you know I know, I know people that I show them my brass Kaweco Sport, and they go, "What on earth is that?" Mm. And then they pick it up and go, "Oh." This is really heavy and it stinks. I hate it. And I know other people that look at it and go, that is the coolest. That's what makes this, uh, this hobby so cool. <laughs> There's something for everyone. Hmm. Do you guys have those in stock at Nero's at the moment? In case anybody should want to try one. We do have feral in, uh, in uh, stock yet. I will, uh, I will dig out a show, uh, dig out a show note. I will dig out a link uh, for the show notes. Great. Um, but yeah, they are lovely, lovely things. Cool. Almost at the end of our show, and we're going to finally get into our topic. Wow. Oh, it's we've got a topic? Th- Who knew? Wait, 
We had a topic today, Stu. This is what happens when we don't talk for two weeks. Yep. It just gets confusing. We just want to catch up and shoot the uh, shoot the bull. Uh, anyway, we're going to talk uh, very quickly, I think, about uh, backups this week because we've been covering some of the things, and I think well, probably one of the most important things on computers is backups. Uh, what's the saying? Two is one, one is none. So, you know, it's not just about backing up your stuff once it's, it's about backing it up in a way that is retrievable and safe. And there are so many different options now, particularly if you're like us, uh, a, a Mac user, uh, I'm not sure I'm assuming windows has something similar, but, uh, we're going to kind of largely focus. Most of our data is going to be on our computers. So uh, Stu lead off. What, what are you doing for backup? What's your, what's your situation like over there? Uh, well, I mean, at the moment it's sort of greatly enhanced because I've got more computers than you can shake a big stick at. Uh, so my, my main machine my daily driver is the, the new Mac studio, uh, sits on my desk, uh, and my main sort of file store, um, if that's the right thing to call is on iCloud. So I have a lot of iCloud because I pay the, um, or whatever they call the top tier where you get to share music and, uh, fitness and all of that. Jazz. Family plan or Apple one, I think it is, or something like that. Yeah. That's it. Apple one. Yeah. So, um, I've got, I think two terabytes, something like that. Uh, so that my main directories sit there, um, which means that this isn't a backup, but it means that there is a, uh, a sort of source of truth on iCloud, which syncs down to my other computers, which is the Mac mini, which I'm planning on using as a home service and, uh, my MacBook air, which doesn't sync everything, but selectively takes some of that stuff down. Um, I have time machine set up on my studio and my Mac mini. So Time Machine is uh, Apple's sort of proprietary backup system. Uh, it can back up to a um, separate disk. You can back it up onto your existing disk. You, you have a degree of flexibility. It used to back up to a lovely piece of kit that also acted as router, but Apple don't make that anymore. Um, I know, it kills me. Yes, I know. I've still got one. I've still got one. Um, I don't use it, but I've still got one. So, same here. Same here. Um, so... I have the backups running there onto um, uh, SSDs. So I have two big SSDs. One of them is a Samsung T5, I think. How old it is? It'd be a few years old. Uh, and the other is a, a Lassie, um, I don't know what it's called, um, Robust. Um, it's it's in international orange, just international orange with sort of polarized oh. edges. I don't know why you bought that at all, Stu. I think rugged is the word rugged. Um, and I've had that for a few years too. Um, so that's where my, um, backups live. I also back up onto, uh, those same hard disks, which is currently an issue. I will be getting more hard disks, uh, with super duper. So I use super duper to create a bootable backup. So that pretty much mirrors, not just the data on your computer, but all of the apps, everything. Mm. Um, and the, the theory is that you could, I could swap out my Mac studio for a brand new one. If something went chronically wrong, put in a new one, launch from SuperDuper, and everything would just go straight back. It would be seamless. That's the theory. Have you ever tried it? 
No, not with the super duper. Okay. Um, the super duper I consider as my sort of last line of defense. Uh, and then finally, I have um, all of my computers have accounts with Backblaze. So that's a, a remote uh, backup over the internet. Oof, that's expensive. Uh, yeah, it's um, uh, it's done through one of the businesses. Oh, well, actually, it's done through two of the businesses. Mm. Um, I, I, I don't consider that to be. Uh, that's just an insurance policy. Mm-hmm. That, that's what it is. Um, it's redundant. It comes. I think my sort of desire for for that redundancy comes from my background in financial services, um, where you lose data. Losing data is a sort of you know company threatening event in financial services. So there was no way we were ever going to lose data. Um, and so, yeah, I think I've carried that over. And I, I think I will rationalize it down, but probably, well, I say I'll rationalize it down. Having already paid for SuperDuper, I'm not sure there's much to be gained by not using it anymore. Mm. Uh, but I probably wouldn't go and up, upgrade it necessarily. I'm, I'm happy with Time Machine and Backblaze being the sort of backbone of it all. <laughs> but what about you? What do you, uh, what do you use? Well, first off, I learned something new today that Stu is a belt and suspenders guy when it comes to data. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm a little less than Stu, uh, but uh, I said that and then I started thinking about what I actually do and I'm not that far off. Uh, but uh, so I duplicate, uh, like you, everything goes through iCloud. And one of the things that I do is I have both of my computers designed to sync everything through iCloud. Uh, so that means that I already have, uh, I've got two computers, both of which can go at any time, you know, they're, they've got everything on them. Um, Mm -hmm. I back up my work computer with, uh, duplicate SSDs. So I, yes, I have, there you go. My, my two things of, um, a backup, uh, they're actually straight copies. I just have copies of my data, the important things on two different SSDs because I don't trust that one of them's not going to fail. I back up the entire drive with a different disc of time machine. And then the drive, the main drive, uh, which is again, duplicated, uh, and mirrored on, on the other computer is backed up and all of the SSDs are backed up on black backblaze, which is just one account because it's, it's still a hefty spend each year, you know, for the kind of stuff that I'm doing. The, the one disadvantage that I have that Stu may not have at the moment is uh, because I, I have multiple laptops, uh, I'm playing the mount the drive game every couple of weeks, which is of course it's in my task manager as a recurring task, which is basically mount all of these, uh, disc drives into my into my uh, computer and let uh, Backblaze see them and verify what has changed, what hasn't on the backup disks. Uh, the backup disks are backup disks and uh, they don't change a whole lot. You know, they'll change once in a while when I get around to doing that. But uh, mostly uh, I'm, I'm comfortable with the fact that I've got two computers with the same data, uh, Backblaze on one, the time machine and, and any key data is on there. So I think I'm a little less than Stu, but with the other computer, maybe I'm kind of the same as Stu. I just don't use uh super duper. That's, that's the only thing. So, um, the reason I'm, I'm so into back backups 
is, well, first off, I use a, a lot of data. Test your backups. I had an issue in 2020. So 2020, the M1 Mac came out. I picked up a new MacBook Pro that was uh, going well. And I, I have a weird situation that my 2019 is a audio production machine, largely, with all my other data backed up to it. When I set up my 2020, it was a replacement for my other older MacBook Pro. And so I did a migration from one of those to the other ones. So even though the data is there, I have two different setups of computers because I don't need the same computer twice. What happened was it looked like I was into iCloud and that I was syncing things and I had been using it for, you know, maybe six weeks or so. And I went to grab something work-related off my other laptop because I needed it for something and it wasn't there. And I realized that iCloud was having a problem syncing. So I did the very, very silly thing of logging out and logging back into iCloud. <clears throat> yeah. What that did was anything I had created that was orphaned and apparently hadn't synced from the new computer to iCloud disappeared. I am sure it was there somewhere, but for the life of me, I couldn't find it. Uh, so I did the easiest thing possible. I went to Backblaze and downloaded an archive of all of the important work stuff that could have been on that computer. Um, and it saved my butt. I think it was about uh, 180 to 200 megabytes that I downloaded. Um, mm -hmm. It saved my butt. So test your backups. Because if I had, I would have had six weeks worth of work that would have been blown away. And I don't know about you, but it's hard to remember until you need it for, say, an audit, what you've been working on on your file uh, for the last six weeks. So if you if you do have it, test it. It's also a huge shout out for Black Backblaze because uh, their process for getting data is just amazing. Um, you know, we we don't get any money. We're not one of the podcasts that has ads, but Backblaze, I would really really recommend it. Have you, have you had to use your, your backups too? Yes. Um, I mean, first thing I would just echo what you say about testing your backups. So, um, the, the Apple one, the time machine is very, very reliable and it's easy to test just every now and again. Um, do, do what Justin says, make it a task in your task manager. Just, um, go into your restore from a time machine backup just to get your test that everything is in fact backing up and it does it does work but test it because if you haven't tested it then you don't know and if you don't know then you haven't backed it up yep sorry to be so brutal um likewise with backblaze as justin said you can actually be quite um uh specific with backblaze you you can go looking for you know, specific uh folders and um you don't need to do a whole whole big uh event as it were um, I've used Backblaze once. I had them do the whole because they will actually send you uh, the data on a on a hard disk if you need it. Um, so if you need so much data that it would kill your internet, don't worry. They will send it to you on a hard disk, and you can reload it from the hard disk. And they'll actually uh, take the hard disk back and refund you the money for it. 
Um, and I've had that when, when something went horribly wrong with a machine and we did it. I thought it was going to be a complete nightmare, but I was actually up and running within two days, maybe with all of my data back. Mm -hmm. So again, do it, test it. Just make sure that your, your backup is backing up because it's very easy, particularly if you're like me and you're fiddling with things all the time, uh, that you can turn something off or, you know, an auto schedule gets lost or, you know, with, with this new computer, I found that it was turning itself off. Uh, and I, you know, I hadn't adjusted the power settings properly. And so I had to go in and change all that. And so it was missing backups because all my backups were scheduled, et cetera, et cetera. So it's been a good exercise for me to check all of that and do all of that hygiene. And as, as we've probably established at the moment, I'm backing up too much of the same stuff. So, so I need just to look at how I'll streamline that. Um, but I'm essentially using my Mac mini as a hard disk. That's kind of what I'm doing is having it sit there, do a few little things on the side, but generally speaking, it's, it's holding all that data as a, as a copy that's right here next to me. If something should happen to my Mac studio. Mm. Yeah. One thing I did actually want to mention, um, don't assume that cloud services are safe as backups, whether it's a Dropbox or an iCloud account. Yeah. If you delete a feel a, a file accidentally, uh, it will assume that you meant to do that and it will carry that file deletion to all of your devices especially if you uh, have it only in one place that could be very problematic but uh, it is i think a, a key thing to think about is that cloud com cloud services they're not the be all and end all that um, perhaps some of the popular press may lead you to believe yeah. they they have some good uses they have in my case they're a critical part of sharing data among my devices but I think you got to be really, really careful about how you do that and that you have things because if, if it's in the cloud, it is not getting backed up. So you need to have somewhere where all of your data comes down to some location and that that location is backed up. Uh, I, I have all of, you know, photos. Let's, let's talk photos because everybody would hate to lose us. I was going to say the most important thing for most people is photos. Yeah. Uh, back them up to a computer, um, pull them all down off the cloud because let's say something happens. And for some reason, especially with, you know, Apple's introducing this family sharing for photos with the new versions of software that's coming out this year. Um, if your kid gets in there and decides, I have 19 year olds, so I can see this happening. Uh, I did not like this picture of me because at 19, uh, she does not like many pictures of her. Uh, she is not part of the TikTok generation that posts a lot. She's going to be the one that takes off the embarrassingly cute, uh, you know, baby pictures and gets rid of those. And what's that going to do? Um, where does it go? So always make sure you have your files backed up, uh, downloaded. So they're under your possession and backed up in somewhere that you have access to because the cloud, well, it just, it just can't, it, it is not designed for that. It's purpose is completely different. And I think a lot of people in the press don't really make that distinction. And hopefully that is something that it, that you guys already know, but I think it's, is uh, hopefully a helpful reminder if not.
Yeah, no, it was absolutely a good point. I mean, I think I definitely was of the opinion um, when I first started using um, Macs was, okay, I'm going to put stuff on iCloud and then everything is safe and Dropbox before that. So it's on Dropbox, it's going to be fine. And it was only when an IT guy sat down with me and sort of just took me through it stage by stage as if he was speaking to an idiot, which in fairness he was, and said, all you're doing is spreading the contagion faster. So something goes wrong with your your machine um, and Dropbox or iCloud believes that that set of photos or that set of documents is no longer required, then it will tell all the other machines that are connected to it, those things are no longer required, delete them. Mm -hmm. So in many ways, having you, all of your stuff on, on a cloud can make it worse for backup purposes. Um, it has other great advantages. As Justin has said, it syncs across your machines. It's great. It's fantastic. I use it. But as you've heard, I've got an, a million and one backups in place to make sure that if iCloud does fall out of bed, he said, uh, amending his phrase, um, then I'll be okay. Nothing will go wrong. I just figured out what your phrase you really meant was. <laughs> well, that's... that's took me a minute. I'm slow this morning. <laughs> Sleep deprived, that bloody bed. <laughs> yes, that's the, that's the whole... Uh, the whole sleeping problem. So yeah, that, and you know, with photos, I am extraordinarily cautious with photos. So I use thing called power photos, which is an app, uh, which allows me to have multiple libraries. So I have certain sort of years of photos. I have got them, um, archived away, um, sort of out of harm's way <laughs> so that, uh, when Margaret starts sharing, um, <laughs> she doesn't, uh, delete everything. <laughs> oh, so you're, you're not the only one that sees this could be a bad thing. Yeah. And, and also, I mean, just photos become very unwieldy, you know, particularly if you're, you know, syncing them to your phone and all of that sort of stuff. Hmm. Um, so it's definitely worth looking at your, your tools. This was one that came to me from Max Barkey. Um, uh, you know, who knows a thing or two about apps, uh, and he's got a field note, a field, a field guide on this as well. Of course he does. But, uh, that's that's well worth looking at because photos i mean just uh the one that worried me is that i once thought i'd lost the master of our well no this isn't true actually i once lost the master copies of our wedding photo Ooh. um and you have never seen a large overweight man move so quickly across north london to get to the photographer and say you will now give me another set of the master photos <laughs> Should you not do this within an hour, you and your family will die. Um, <laughs> uh, at which point he laughed, opened up a drawer, went into a sort of filing cabinet, and pulled out a, a thumbnail, a thumb drive, and went, "There you go." I said, "You've saved my marriage." I'm not. I'm not the first person this has happened to, is it? No, this happens about half the time. Oof. Um, so yeah, <laughs> there we go. Take it from an old man. Back your photos up everywhere mm. one last thing i wanted to touch on before we moved on and this is something that that i get a lot of experience with but be conscious of the amount of data that you back up and save uh, the the reason i'm saying this is icloud and cloud devices are very easy to just store junk that you don't need Mm -hmm. Um, and the question is, do you really need it? So for me, 
I make the last audio file, uh, audio session that I did. So previous episode would have been uh, episode 76 between Stu and myself. There were eight audio files for each episode. Uh, and that is a combination of raw files that I use uh, to the software that I clean up the audio with that probably takes away Stu's uh, nice sounding pencil from earlier. Uh, I create new files because, because of that, because again, I want to have redundancy. If I screw something up, I want to be able to go back to the last step. So at, at the end of the day, by the time I come to the one that you download and listen to, there are eight different files in there. Uh, the last episode, those eight files, uh, because I do things in, well, my level of nerdiness, they were pretty big. They're 9.7 gigabytes. And you can imagine that for this particular podcast, uh, I've got 76 uh, different versions of 10 gigabyte files sitting around. Really, after a file is good to go uh, and has been successfully published, I only need to keep one file, which is sort of in the 60 to 80 megabytes, which is the one you're listening to now. But it's very easy just to leave everything there and fill up all your hard disks and fill up all your backup with stuff that really is not important. Mm -hmm. So I would challenge you to also look at a process of, of data removal. Now I don't, I don't just because it's me, I don't actually go back and delete those. I've got a five gigabyte, large spinny disc and external drive that I actually take those files off and I put them on there just because you never know when I might want to go back and, uh, you know, do the best of episode or something like that. But it, it's something for me that is very easy to see. I'm looking at the same thing now for duplicate photos. And, uh, I know that's something that Stu's power photos does allow you to take care of. Uh, I find I quite often will go into my photo drive and have, uh, a picture that I've taken and I'll go in and I'll tweak it a little bit into a copy. And so I end up with two versions of that on, on my, my photos, which again is kind of unnecessary. So take a look at your, at your archive files and move away the ones that you really don't need to access to, because if you search for something, it's going to be a lot quicker and easier to get the stuff that you actually are going to need and that have value. Sure. Uh, do you have any files like that, that you periodically get rid of Stu? Yeah, I mean, I have to say, I uh, initially I had um, some Hazel rules set up to go looking for those for me uh, and deal with them, but then I got scared of something being automated and you know just losing something I needed because I got the automation slightly wrong or didn't check. So now I use um, from setup, I use Clean My Mac, yeah, um, and. Uh, I run that and every now and again, it prompts me and says, you know, let's have a look at your big files. And there will always be uh, audio tracks that have gone into podcasts. Um, I, I don't edit any podcasts. I'm, you know, I'm far too precious for that sort of thing. I, I, have, <laughs> I have expert people that do that for me, uh, you, you predominantly. Um, and so I, uh, I, you know, I go through those files and just remove them, as you say, because otherwise you can end up with, Know, terabytes of stuff that you never ever need or look at mm -hmm. all right cool any takeaways Stu? where we're going long so let's try to wrap this up for sure well i mean 
you know, I, I think we're going to be singing for the same uh, hymn sheet here. Untested backup is not a backup. That's just you hoping that something else works. Test your backup. Yeah. What about you, Justin? Mine is sort of the same. Uh, don't rely on the cloud to protect you because it just won't. Uh, invest in a proper backup. Uh, and I liken this to car insurance. You know, you're going to pay for something like a Backblaze. And every year you'll write that check and you'll kind of go, ugh, another subscription. But I learned last week, I have breakdown insurance. Uh, there's an organization here across the province that I pay a couple hundred dollars to every year. And if me or my family break down, well, I can call the number and they will send either somebody with a booster kit or a tow truck. And they do. And hopefully you never need it. But when you do, as I did sitting in my car at a golf course on Saturday night, watching the darkness come, no lights because the golf course was closed and it's a little rural. I'm just so glad that I paid for that insurance. I would say Backblaze or some third-party investment into a process. It's going to cost you a little bit, but when you need it for something important, it's going to be worth every single penny. Amen. Wow. Good thing we agreed on that one, Ace, too. Would have been a good fight otherwise. <laughs> All right. Where can people find you on the interwebs? Uh, well, you can find me uh, at stuartlennon.com. You'll find my writing on various and sundry things. Uh, you will find me at nerosnotes.co.uk, where you can uh, find out about Pumpkin, amongst other things, but uh, buy yourself some lovely uh, stationery. Or you can find me on Twitter, just generally being old and angry, uh, at Stu Lennon. Very cool. What about you, Justin? Where can people find you? You can find me at justintwyford.com. You can find links to both of us at stationaryadjacent.com as well. Uh, we really love your feedback, as you might have got from our section this morning. Uh, please send us emails, stationaryadjacent at gmail.com. We love hearing from our listeners. It just sort of makes your, makes your day when you come and check your email, and you have just amazing people sending you amazing stuff and physical stuff, too. That was really cool. Anyway, uh, please like and review us on your podcast, Catch Your Choice. We really do appreciate your recommendations to your friends and colleagues. Our next topic, well, based on a month of usage of both Stu and myself with our new digital tools, we're going to talk about digital writing. So I think that should be a fun one because I know Stu's got a lot of things that he did in the UK to bring to the table. Until then, goodbye and stay productive. Yes, us.